Well, hello and good morning um, to this latest episode of the Social Housing Podcast from Voicecape. Uh, My name is Peter Hudson, Sales Director at Voicecape, and I'm joined today by Ian Wright from the Disruptive Innovators Network. Good morning, Ian. Uh, Good morning, Peter. Nice to be here. Very good. So, um, Ian, let's start off with the the broad topic. You know, tell us a bit about yourself, um, your background and what led you to start the Disruptive Innovators Network. Right. Well, a bit of a mixed background in terms of uh, roles, but always sort of within the social housing sort of setting, sort of 36 years uh, working in the sector. It's a brilliant sector to work in. Uh, did all of the usual things in my early years, uh, housing officer, walking around the patch, managing the properties, things like that, then policy, strategy, regeneration, everything. But I'm probably sort of best known for within the sector in terms of managing a couple of the big membership bodies, membership organisations within the sector. Um, and up until about sort of six years ago, uh, I was sort of very happily sort of uh, ploughing a, a furrow there in corporate life. Um, and then sort of just decided with the pace of change that we could see coming and sort of de- certainly disruption coming down the line that actually a lot of housing organizations are probably going to need some help in terms of some of the digital transformation they're going to have to go through. Um, So um, packed in the uh, well-paid, secure, final salary pension job and decided to set up the Disruptive Innovators Network, um, which, as as you may guess, is is a community, is a network. So it's a membership body for those leaders within social housing who are wanting to uh, get prepared for the disruption, but more importantly, to become more corporately uh, innovative uh, within the business. So um, been going just about five years now, uh, certainly the biggest uh, transform transformation and innovation network within the social housing sector, about 130 members um, and uh, very much enjoying what we're doing. Very good, excellent. And when um, when we when we met a couple of weeks ago, and you were telling me about the the, the three main things that um, the disruptive and disruptors innovative network focuses on, that's around uh, technology, leadership, and culture. Can you just dive into that a little bit for me? Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, I've spent a lot of time uh, observing organisations both within the sector and outside of the sector. I've run many, many uh, leadership programmes, taking leaders inside lots of different businesses from, you know, the big tech companies like Google and Apple and Amazon and things through to some of the retail sectors, some of through to some other areas that are perhaps sort of less well, well known. And I think you know, there was a number of sort of common threads that ran through all these organizations, particularly the ones that were really sort of high performing, highly creative, highly innovative. Mm. Um, and, and that tended to be the strands around the way they used and understand technology, um, the way that those organizations were led and the traits that sort of came from that. And then the culture that the organization had built up. Um, it doesn't actually go in that order, technology, leadership, or culture. It's just TLC is the only way I can sort of remember my <laughs> strap line, to be honest. But um, technology is normally the last thing um, that comes into the sort of equation. But you get all of those three elements right, and invariably you will have, as I say, a highly performing, highly creative, highly innovative business. Fantastic. Okay. And I think, you know, when we start to think about innovation, particularly in the, the, the social housing sector, they're not two things that are synonymous often with one another. But um, do you think that the expectations of uh, tenants and residents is, is changing? Um, and, and is there being enough done by providers to the sector, sector or even to the providers in the sector to adopt those technologies? 
Oh, without doubt, it's it's increasing, Peter. I think one of the things <clears throat> that um, we sort of look at within the social housing sector is that we're, we're a very special sector. We're unique mm. in terms of what we do. My preposition has always been is that, you know, we're just a service provider. It's a very important service, um, providing a, a, a good quality, affordable, safe, warm home, but it is a service. And in terms of uh, how you're judged, tenants and residents, all the ones I've spoken to anyhow, just, you know, compare the experiences they get from their landlord against what they get from other service providers, whether it's a, a retail delivery from a Tesco or an Asda, um, you know, whether they're getting in an Uber or, you know, yeah. something from Amazon, you know, they then judge us against, well, how was that experience? And I, and and what I've sort of seen over the last certain three or four years is that the rate of uh, tenants and residents' expectations is rising at an exponential rate much quicker than what landlords are able to respond to. Yeah, that's brilliant. Can you um, can you give me some insight as to why you think those expectations are rising? Some examples, perhaps. Yes, of course. And and again, it's something that we see all around us, Peter, particularly the sort of the use of technology. But when you think about it from a, a tenants and residents perspective, they're no different to, to you or I in the terms of the way we use service. And if you look at things such as um, social media, social media is all about speed, speed, speed. So therefore, the expectation is, you know, I want an instant response around this technology obviously is, uh, is is just getting faster and faster all of the time. The ability to sort of personalize things, I think is really, really important. You know, uh, other companies know a lot about me through the data that I share or mm -hmm. they collect from me. And a landlord is no different. You know, I want a person, I want you to remember the last conversation that you had with me. Um, you know, and, and in a lot of respects now with the, uh, the way sort of people engage quite often, and, and this is an area I think landlords have really got to sort of work on, is that the tenant and the resident may actually know more than the landlord about what's going on. They yeah. may go and check out the web page, they may just sort of Google, they may look at the news and things around that. Um, so I think that's something we've got to sort of think about. But this, it's this always on service that people expect and whether this is about a good self-service experience or actually, you know, I've got an emergency and I need some help um, as, as well. I think also the emergence of um, sort of social influencers, social housing activists, Quajo Quenboza is a good example of that, have brought social housing more into the mainstream in terms of actually, yeah, if I'm not getting a good service, I want to do something about this. And then finally, I suppose, it's all of the different social channels that are available. A landlord, you know, is expected to, I think, actually be on top of all of those various different channels and be able to provide a, a response um, through them. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're quite uniquely positioned with the with the, the network that you provide, you know, in, in, a, in a triangle, I suppose, of technology providers to the sector of um, social landlords themselves and also those tenants. So so what does that feedback loop look like? So when you're starting to understand the challenges that, that tenants are facing, how the landlords can respond to them and then how the, the, the service providers can help bridge that gap. What's that feedback mechanism loop look like? Well, a lot of the stuff that we do, Peter, is is what we call discovery learning. Basically, you know, we have a preposition or we have a, a theory that we want to sort of test. And we'll go out there into the real world and sort of see uh, see how that actually sort of comes about. What that means is that quite often we'll be, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have an expectation or have a thought about this when actually we go and test it. Actually, that's not... Uh, the experience around that. So one of the things that we do, particularly with technology providers, is we, we do a lot of experimentation and we put this into what we call a DIN lab. 
So a DIN yeah. Lab is a rapid prototyping platform whereby new market entrants, uh, startup community can basically engage with social housing providers in a way that we, well, we, we call it test before you invest. Um, I think part of the, the lessons I've learned over 30 odd years working with technology companies is that basically, you know, sometimes the, the, the promise that is out there, of what problems it will help you solve, doesn't actually meet the reality. Not necessarily because the technology doesn't do it, because it's we haven't got the processes, the system, or the organizational culture right to actually sort of use it. So there's a whole plethora of reasons. So what 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 I'm really interested in is, you know, how does this sort of technology actually work within your organization? Yeah. And like any good corporate innovator, you know, you get a small patch over here, you would test it out, you would see whether it meets uh, the promises. And once it does, we then move on to the, the other challenge, which is, you know, how do you scale that technology across yeah. um, across the whole of the business? Because I think one of the challenges that certainly the startup community who we work with face is that, you know, they'll do a proof of concept. They'll demonstrate that their technology will actually work over here. But then instead of saying, yeah, we know that works now, we'll roll it out across 20,000 units across our business. It's, well, I'll tell you what, we'll give you another 100 just to prove it, it does it, does it again. And I think this shows sort of a lack of confidence within the sector that this is a sound investment. And this leads on to something else, which we'll probably come on to talk about, which is about the digital literacy of leaders within the sector as well um, that we have to look at. But the feedback loop is one very much of, you know, <clears throat> we will... We'll hold your hand as we go through this. We'll get the right organizations involved in the lab for your technology. Yeah. So if there's no point, you know, you, you know what's like organizations have different business cycles. Uh, and there's no point in trying to implement something if it's not actually, a, you know, a problem that's needing to sort of be solved. So basically, we, we do spend a lot of time in terms of due diligence, I suppose, matching up the landlords mm. to the technology providers. Yeah, that's right. And it, se it seems to be, you know, a, a mutually beneficial relationship that so you're lowering the barrier of entry and risk for the social landlord, but giving exposure to the to the providers. So I imagine there's loads of great collaborative workings uh, come out of that. So um, how would how would a technology provider or a landlord engage with you to, to broker that relationship in? Well, for first of all, I mean, you know, they approach us, uh, or we will we will spot them somewhere, and we will we will pick them out. I mean, we tend to sort of focus on, as I say, a new market entrance uh, who are coming in to sort of solve a particular problem, uh, or perhaps something from abroad. I mean, a lot of the stuff that we do is international. Some, you know, a lot of the tech providers that we've ended up sort of working with have been doing something interesting in Europe, and they're looking at the UK market, and we want to see whether that technology is sort of transferable across here. Um, but ultimately, it's about uh, being a very uh, clear business about the problem they're looking to solve within the social housing sector. One of the things which wound me up during during the COVID crisis was the amount of approaches we got from companies who said, oh, we've got a £5,000 module here. It will do X kind of thing. Mm. They weren't looking at it through the lens of our members, which is, you know, what are the, what is the problem you're sort of looking to sort of fix here? Because it might not even be a technological problem. Yeah. Um, it might actually be, well, actually, your processes, your systems, your methodology are not sort of right for this. But I think, as I say, we live in a very interesting sort of time now. And, and I think organizations are realizing that actually they are substantially analog businesses in a digital world. And part of what you know we're trying to sort of do with DIN is you know, make that journey as frictionless as possible and as quick as possible to move them onto that digital path. So ultimately, tenants and residents will gain the benefit from those technologies.
Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I'm interested to hear a little bit more about some of the providers that you look to for inspiration. So you talked about um, technology providers from Europe, and I know that you've um, taken the opportunity to um, travel a bit further afield with the, the, the group, in. Do you want to tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, I mean, our, our premise has always been is that, you know, there's loads of good stuff going on within housing, but uh, we don't exist in a bubble. Tenants and residents' experiences uh, are, are sort of, you know, much wider than that. So therefore, we have to look uh, beyond that. And, you know, my, I've spent sort of the last 15 years looking outside of the sector, seeing where disruption's taking place, looking at the organisations who are driving substantial change. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these organisations are in our everyday lives. You know, the way things have sort of, uh, sort of panned out if you as I say if you get in a you know if you're down in London you, you might get a black cab you might actually get in an Uber and I'm really interested in you know what's the service experience like of these organizations as they've come into the sector and they've actually disrupted an existing operating model because yeah. if if like me you know you work with leaders who say look the social housing model is broken right okay well immediately I'm thinking right, okay well let's really understand what what is broken around that but then more importantly right okay how do you go about building a new model yeah. that can actually work and you can slot back into the business and, that, and that's 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 complex that's quite hard sort of corporate innovation to sort of do that um but in in terms of sort of some of the experiences and things i'm just interested in ones that you know make me go wow i didn't know i needed that or i didn't know yeah. that would give me that information and i think there are a lot of companies out there now who are doing some fantastic things with um, with data. Um, I mean, you, pro- you probably like myself, Peter. You've seen some of the recent launches around generative AI. You know, yes. GPT stuff. Um, Microsoft's yeah. new Copilot, for example. All of these sort of technologies have, have been around a while, but they're now starting to make it into the mainstream. And I think that's when it gets really interesting and really exciting. And I think, um, you know, from a from from our perspective, from a DIN perspective, we are, we're looking at these technologies and thinking, right, okay, what impact is this going to have on your business as a landlord? What are the roles that basically you're going to have to take a look at again? Yeah. Where is this technology going to add value and allow you to free up resources um, to give an enhanced experience to tenants and residents and more importantly about you know how is this going to transform the data that you get as a business that as a leader you're going to be taking business decisions on that's it and that that data i suppose what you're really looking for is the actionable insight you know and it's using things like ai to surface that actionable insight i read um i read a really interesting thing on i think it was on LinkedIn, social media somewhere recently that said artificial intelligence won't take your job, but somebody that uses it well will do. Um, and I, th- I thought that was quite a nice um, twist on it. Any, any, any thoughts on, on oh, that? that? Yeah, huge amounts around this. And again, this is what we've been trying to sort of talk to sort of, you know, members about, you know, we don't want to be sort of boiling frogs in that pan where the temperature's just getting turned up and it, oh, we still think it's lovely and warm kind of mm. thing. We need to sort of be, you know, the whole premise in the word leaders is you you were leading you're at the front and i suppose a couple of observations around some of these things so so data is a really interesting interesting point around this uh, last time i was sort of checking there was something like 2.5 quintillion terabytes of data out there and less than one percent of that data is actually analyzed 
So, you know, that raises a number of questions for me within sort of organisations in terms of, well, actually, you know, data is not the new oil, it's not the new air, it's not the new gold or anything like that. It's only useful if you're actually doing something with it. Um, And unfortunately, we're not in the position whereby we've got access to uh, the skills and the resources of people who can analyse that. You know, a lot of our big corporate partners, the Amazons and Microsoft are struggling to recruit data scientists, business analysts. And if they are, then housing landlords are surely going to struggle to recruit people of of high enough uh, quality and skill to actually analyse the data. So where do we get started to get this analytical from. And I think that's where things like generative AI, as it starts to evolve and develop, mm. are going to have to be put to use to analyze some of the data to feed it in. Because ultimately, data is a lag measure. Uh, you only get data uh, you know, after you've actually done something. Yeah. Um, uh, and you know, ultimately, uh, you know, it's, it's a guide to sort of uh, doing things. But I think technology will change. And I think some of the roles and jobs that we've currently got are the ones that are probably you're going to be looking at and thinking, mm, how, how's that going to evolve? And it's going to be those ones whereby you have got lots of repetitive tasks in them that you're going to be able to automate some of the workflow yeah. around that. Um, you know, I, I was, as I say, playing about with the uh, generative AI stuff and, you know, I, I got it to sort of develop a working web page um, within about a minute um, wow. just by just by putting in some key data, right, please do this, do this, do this. And, and it was up there. And I think as, as we get to play with it and as we get to evolve with it, as the tools start to come in, um, you're going to be in a position whereby you're going to be able to do things quicker to a higher standard, more consistent standard than we've ever been able to before and i think my view the question about your sort of your jobs and the roles and things like that um there's lots of talk about machines are going to sort of take over in my experience they've never really taken over they've just enhanced what we've been able to do and they free up us as humans to do the tasks which we are good at which machines aren't necessarily as good around the you know the empathetic sort of roles the Mm. people roles and uh as, as housing organizations have got more uh, sort of, you know, people come to them that have got complex needs, complex issues. You need to spend some time with, yeah. And surely that's a good thing for us being freed up to do those things. Absolutely, I think um, you, you touched on earlier about a couple of different approaches to um, disruption in social housing. I'd like to just pick back into that. So I've seen a couple of approaches, and the first of that being um, really what DIN's around. So educating housing professionals, you know, bringing their digital literacy up, um, getting them to think outside the box, uh, introducing them to to innovators in the space. And the other um, that I've also seen is social housing recruiting from outside of social housing. Um, so a- any thoughts on, um, you know, a, a preference or, a, you know, a, a way forward that you see, or is there, is there, is there room for both? I think there's I think there's room for both, Peter, because, again, you know, when you look at the marketplace, certainly within England for uh, social housing, you've got over 1,500 registered providers. Yeah. Um, as one uh, Sainsbury's director once sort of said to me, it's like the days of the corner shop before supermarkets came along. And I think what we've got to sort of separate out is the uh, uniqueness of the sector in terms of we've got a lot of small providers providing solving very very specific needs around whether it's care whether it's around the elderly you know whether it's around sort of the homelessness and things like that but then you look at the rest of the market and you actually got to start to ask i suppose what i would call sort of heresy questions around well what happens if 
if we did this. Imagine if we had one technology platform that basically you could all access, personalize and run, uh, you know, your, your landlord services through that. You know, what difference would that start to make? And I, I think part of the challenge is my members are not, I've not come across any of them who aren't excited by the, free, the future. Yes, there might be some trepidation about, you know, what it actually means, but that, that, you know, that's uncertainty until we get to know how things are. You know, that's a natural sort of reaction. But I think in terms of, um, you know, going forward, it's, it's actually, we're not frightened of the future. What we're frightened of is actually letting go of the present. Yeah. And, and this is where the educational piece has got to come in, both in terms of what we do, both in terms of the technology providers, so that actually we can demonstrate to people, look, it is possible to build a more efficient and effective operating model over here. And once we transfer it back in, you very quickly see that your current ways of operating are, are redundant. And ultimately, tenants and residents will get a better experience from, from the services that you provide. But until you can do that, until you can do that in a way which doesn't make people, people feel threatened, um, uh, you know, we won't necessarily see it. Because we, we have a, a lot of what I call sort of corporate antibodies when we're trying to sort of drive change. And in my experience, change normally takes systemic change within the business. The way we do business normally takes about three or four years. So therefore, you've got to have patience. You've got to have commitment. Yeah. You've got to be quite brave because, as I say, there'll be things that will come along and knock that off course uh, around this. But, you know, in, in all my years sort of working in the sector, changes only ever really come about in two ways. One is regulatory or statutory uh, sort of change things like responses to the Grenfell uh, uh, disaster. Um, that's the social housing bill coming in. That's nearly always a lag response. Or it yeah. comes from boards and executive teams who recognise that, you know, they the business that they've run can do better and provide better services. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the statutory and regulatory thing drives some huge innovation. And we've seen, you know, when that's when that's happened, some big leaps forward in social housing. Um, but do you think organisational bodies like DIN are going to push that change at a faster rate without regulation and statutory pressures? Well, I mean, as I say, I, I come from a, a premise of, you know, I've worked in the sector for 35 years. I've done most of the, the jobs um, uh, within it. And when you come back and you actually go and visit an organisation and I'm going back to the floor to be a housing officer after Easter, um, you know, I, I'll be interested to see whether the things that I was doing yeah. in the 80s and 90s are still being done in that way. Because, you know, the last thing I think we want to be doing at this stage uh, is building the faster horse and, you know, how do we sort of help leaders and organisations make that transition to this yeah. this very digital world? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the challenges that you alluded to earlier was that about recruiting the right talent. Um, do you think this is, you know, something that social housing is struggling with? And if so, is it a financial issue? Is it just not knowing where to look or recruit the right talent? I don't just think it's uh, relevant to social housing uh, landlords, Peter. I think the, the the war for talent is sort of, you know, sector blind. Good people out there with the digital skills that are required are uh, in serious demand. So I think we've got to be more creative and think about the way that we do things. I think what the number one skill that we're going to be recruiting for in the future is not experience, because experience in an analog world is, is not going to be that relevant in a digital yeah. one. It's going to be about learning agility. How quickly can you acquire the skills that we need within the business to actually 
help us develop this. And this, yeah. as I say, this is where technology may have a role in terms of sort of sitting alongside um, uh, people in 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 the in the landlord services. Um, but ultimately, well, there's not going to be enough people to get to go around. And I think this is where, as leaders, we've got to think about things around, you know, our digital literacy. And, yeah. and this is this is hard. You know, I mean, you know, we don't want to be in a position whereby as soon as we start talking about technology, all right, we pass that to the IT department. Yeah. Because ultimately, you know, they're a support service, they're an implementer, they're, you know, that's not necessarily the, their best role. And I think sometimes we get this dynamic tension between, you know, seeing technology as, oh, well, you've got to be specialist in this area, when actually we, we're very used to working using technology in all its forms in our day-to-day lives. You know, we'll have the yeah. smartphones that we use, whether we're using sort of tablets and, uh, you know, technology. The technology we're on is do all of these sort of video conferences and video calls and things like that. And I think um, we've got to become sort of more hobbyist leaders mm. in terms of, you know, uh, in the same way we've got to find out more about things like net zero and climate change. Well, perhaps we've got to add digital as one of the hobbies that we've got to go away and explore. Yeah. And uh, you know, that will involve some time. But, you know, from from my experience, it's it's a really interesting journey and a, and a rewarding one when you find out about how things work. You know, uh, if, if you're really struggling and you want to know about TikTok, well, if you've got kids, just go and ask them. You know, there's some great <laughs> explainers there. Absolutely. I, th- I think, you know, what you've alluded to there is almost that you don't know what you don't know. And, you know, will some landlords struggle with that digital journey because they're not sure what skill sets to recruit? Um, and and how, can, how can they bridge that gap? Well, I mean, one of the first sort of reports we did was actually looking at the future of the IT and the digital team. And, and in a lot of organizations, um, IT is seen as a support service rather than a strategic advisory one. And our recommendations were very much that, look, if you are thinking of going on a transformative digital journey, then you need your IT team in there as a strategic advisor. So not at the point where the decision's being taken, but actually right at the very beginning when you're looking at the problems you are, uh, you're looking to solve, to sit down uh, with your IT professionals in the business and say, right, okay, this is the problem as we see it. Is this the right problem? Um, how do we go about sort of solving it? And what are the technological solutions uh, in, in that space? And that requires, as I say, a change in organizational structure, perhaps even change in mindset uh, from the IT team, because it's quite a big step up, step up from being a, as a support service to one whereby actually you're given strategic advice about a, a three to five year sort of strategy. Yeah, brilliant. So in a couple of days time, it's going to be the new financial year. And for many people, particularly in social housing, that's, you know, it's like New Year's Day, New Year's resolutions, new notepads and all that. Um, What would you say to um, leaders in social housing now wanting to rethink their their strategy, their goals um, or their their, um, adoption of technology? I mean, the first thing I would probably say is actually innovation certainly is never about the money. Innovation is about timing. Um, and, you know, if, if you've got problems, then actually the best way to solve those problems, again, these techniques have been out there for sort of a long time. Is you, you go to where the work is, you go to where the issues are uh, and, and, and you sit and observe and you talk and, and find ways of actually doing. And then you can go back and think, right, actually, you know, is it the way we are currently operating? How do we tweak the systems and the processes we've got? Is there a better technology that we can bring into 
um, uh, the, the, the business that will actually uh, help us grow quicker, help us reduce cost, help us deliver a better experience, all of those sort of things. So yes, it's a great time to sort of take stock and think, actually, yeah, we can do something. But the, the challenge for, for organizations, particularly around technology, is the, is the pace with which it's developing. When we take leaders into an organization, uh, I always remember this one from Google. Google's welcome is, is welcome to the slowest day of your life. Uh, and what they mean by that is that every day technology is getting quicker and quicker and your challenge as a leader is to understand, well, what am I going to do to keep up with this? Yeah. Um, and, and that can be that can be quite challenging, uh, Peter, that, you know, because, as I say, the pace of which things are going. But, uh, you know, we've adapted over many, many years previously to sort of change. So I don't think it's it's that I do think it is is it a mindset and a cultural piece about the way the world is. And coming back to some of our earlier points, um, you know, tenants and residents don't exist in a bubble within social landlords. They want to get on with their lives and they're using the technology that we're probably using as well. Um, so, you know, it is our job and responsibility to try and keep up. Absolutely. Yeah. So all of that wrapped up, what does this next 12 months look like for DIN? Um, what, what's on the agenda? What's in your calendar, Ian? Um, well, I suppose, uh, you know, the continuing that um, journey around education, educating leaders, improving their digital literacy so they understand the questions to ask of IT teams and technology suppliers, um, uh, it, you know, to help sort of, you know, make sure they're getting the right product and sort of service from that. But also looking at the service and the customer experience, um, you know, how is that changing? What can we do to sort of close the gap between tenant resident expectations and how we respond as a landlord? Um, you know, understand what is, um, you know, the purpose of the business. So I'm a big believer in understanding the difference between baggage and heritage. Um, you know, baggage is things that basically just built up like barnacles on a boat uh, over many years. Um, you know, if you were to scrape them off, would they make any difference to the experience that tenants and residents have got? No, they probably wouldn't. Mm -hmm. But what's the heritage? What's the, um, uh, you know, what, what's the stuff that actually makes the business, that landlord business unique? Is it your yeah, geography? Yeah. Is it the areas in which you work? Is it the, 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 the people who you are there to serve? All of those sort of things. And yeah, we've got some great things coming up. We're going to go and look at the world of uh, Formula One in terms of how they use uh, data to make decisions at, at speed and things like that. Uh, we'll be going inside some of the most customer-centric organizations, looking at how they're looking to sort of change. Uh, one of my personal favorites will be coming up with best best business transformation story I've come across in a long time, which is Greg's. I would move from Greg's the Bakers to Greg's Food on the Go. Uh, and it's a fantastic story around, uh, which I suppose is a challenge a lot of leaders have, which is how do you continue to deliver the business as usual whilst making that transition to a new one um, uh, whilst you do it? And that, that stuff is quite hard. And we've got some fantastic stuff coming up with, with IKEA and particularly focusing on their people and planet positive strategy, which again is how do you, basically build the plane whilst you're flying um, yeah. and, and you know, build a business which is going to be sustainable long into the future. I love that. You know, I, I suppose as a proud lad from the Northeast, you know, referencing Greg's, but I love the idea that, you know, the uh, the home of sausage rolls can, um, you know, play a, play a part in, um, you know, digital transformation in, in social housing. Love that. 
Um, Ian, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you ever so much for your time today and um, look forward to, to seeing your, your next outfit um, when, when you're talking about, about Greg's. Love that. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much for having me. Not at all. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.